the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This king is the one who is for her. In the travail of the woman, the lion king will appear in Bethlehem. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. The Lion King and the New Israel is the name of today's broadcast, and we hope that you enjoy it. Don't forget it's available online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled The Lion King and the New Israel. That's The Lion King and the New Israel, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. It's part of the Revelation series. Here's our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. Jacob, who became Israel by promise, by his name change, he had 12 sons, and he was the formative principle, the epigenetic principle that gave rise to the nation of Israel. And Providence had led their entire family through tragedy and, and the leading of God into Egypt to become the nation of Israel that would bless the entire world. And as Jacob was dying on his bed in Egypt, the Holy Spirit moved upon him and granted him prophetic utterance that would shape the future of the world. Tribe by tribe, one son at a time, the patriarch unfolded the future as he took his children to his side and he blessed them. And when he came to Judah, he predicted the coming of the Lion King, the tribe of Judah. Genesis 49, verse 9. Let's take our Bibles and look at this. Here it's very clear. He proclaimed Judah as a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. In verse 9, Jacob describes the quality of his son Judah. He describes it in prophetic context with an eye for the future. And the basic message in verse 9 is very clear. Don't rouse the lion's wrath. Don't mess with the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah's a lion's whelp, and you better not make war with the lion. Verse 10 is a deliberate prophecy for the future that follows the description of Judah as a lion. Before there was a king in Israel, before Israel had become a nation for itself, and before God led his people out of Egypt, Jacob bowed his head, and according to the book of Hebrews, on his staff he bowed his head too, and he prophesied with his dying breath that Judah would be the tribe that held the scepter in its hand to the end of time. After Israel entered the promised land under Joshua, the servant of Moses, they were at first ruled by the judges. Now, some people say, who who on earth are the judges? 
You know, I had this idea of a guy in a long black robe who kind of ruled the people of Israel. That's not at all what it means when we talk about the judges. The judges were military rulers who defended Israel in times of distress. God would raise them up like a mighty warrior to defend and protect his people. But in time, the people of Israel grew weary of the judges. They clamored after a king like the nations around them. They forgot that God is their king. And Samuel was the last judge to judge Israel. He's a transitionary figure. He stands between the failed period of the judges and the future era of the kings. We know in the book of Judges it says that every man did what was right in his own eyes because there was no king in Israel. And so Samuel ended his ministry with a broken heart. He was rejected by his people as leader as they sought a king. The people rejected him, which led to God's command for them to anoint Saul as the first king over Israel. Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin, but not the tribe of Judah. Saul proved unfaithful to God. And so God judged Saul, and he removed the scepter from his line and from his tribe. And the night before he died, Saul, no longer hearing the voice of God, went to the witch of Endor. And there the devil himself, through that witch, communicated his doom. Saul died with his son Jonathan in battle at the hands of the Philistines the next day. And David sang the song of mourning. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. God chose a man after his own heart to take the place of Saul. God chose a man who had a lion's heart, who would look to be the lion of the tribe of Judah, so it was thought. And Samuel anointed the shepherd boy David in Saul's place. As a boy, David had killed a lion. The one who would lead Israel was not afraid of the wild beasts or a giant. David had proved that he had a lion's heart when he faced the giant. And with the stone, he brought him to the ground. He took his sling, he struck him down. And from that moment on, the maidens began to sing the song about David and not Saul. In time, they sang the song that stung the jealous heart of Saul. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. David had unusual features as a boy that deserved attention in the record of Scripture. In 1 Samuel 16.12 and 1 Samuel 17.42, the Bible indicates that David was ruddy or red in appearance. In fact, many Bible scholars who have studied the account believe that he had red hair. He was the red-haired king of Israel. King David looked like he had a lion mane. He was most likely a red-headed boy who had the gleam and look of a lion in his eye. David was the first of many kings from the long line of Judah, and he looked to be the lion that would defeat God's enemies. But in time, the kings of Judah rebelled against God, and there was no longer a lion king in the long line of kings to bring them back to God. The prophet Hosea predicted that one day the lion would have to be God, that one day God would have to reach deep inside his lion's heart to save the line of the lions. And so God himself will become the lion to bring the tribe of Judah back to God. Hosea 5.14, God is speaking, For I will be like a lion to Ephraim, and like a young lion to the house of Judah, which is the house of David. I, even I, will rend and go away. I will carry off, and none shall rescue. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. And in their distress they seek me, saying... Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn that he may heal us. He has stricken and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up that we may live before him. The prophecy is clear. 
there would have to come a lion from the heart of God who would raise up the fallen children of Judah on the third day. In Genesis 49, the prophecy of Jacob pointed to a lion king that would hold the scepter for the future. And David looked like a lion, but in the end, God himself promised that he would become the lion to save Judah. So on the third day, we are to look for the lion of the tribe of Judah. The prophecy of Jacob was specific in Genesis 49, verse 10. Let's take our Bibles, turn back to it. Jacob, as he was dying, as his head was bowed on his bed, upon his staff, he prophesied, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. The Hebrew literally says peoples there. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. That means the last king would come from Judah. Now this prophecy cannot refer to David because David was the first king of the line of Judah. The lion king that would come with a right to rule forever would not be the first king. He would be the one at the very end who would stand and take his place. Jacob said he is the lawgiver. The lion king would not come to do away with the law of God, but to establish it in the heart of every man and woman who loves God. And Jacob said, Shiloh comes. So who is Shiloh? Who is this lion king here described as Shiloh? Shiloh is a Hebrew word that can be broken down to three words. The S-H, Shah, is a relative pronoun particle, and it means who. The L comes from a preposition that means for. And the O-H is a pronominal suffix that means her. It's feminine. Shiloh literally means the one who is for her. When he comes... The one who is for her, the gathering of the peoples, the obedience of the peoples will be unto him. He is coming from the tribe of Judah to rule the world. Shiloh is the lawgiver and he has a right to rule the peoples of the earth with the scepter of God. The lion king was destined to become the king of all humanity. And the lion king would rule the future with the scepter and staff of Judah. And Jacob said to him shall be the obedience of the people. Shiloh means the one who is for her. Shiloh must come, and he will be the Lion King. So who is this one who is for her? Who is the prophecy talking about? We must first look back to see where he has led us to. You see, Jacob, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes back to the very first promise given in the Bible in Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Yangelian promise, the first gospel promise, which was a prophecy of a son who would come and crush a serpent's head. Jacob is clear that the one who is for her, he himself is the Lion King. Now, I... I don't know about you. I have a cat at our house that's Egyptian. Do you want to have an Egyptian Abyssinian cat at their home? This cat was given to us, and it came with a mate, so to speak. His name was Tom. Tom attacked our Siberian husky and died the next day from the wounds he had incurred. He jumped off of a porch and just went after him, and the Siberian husky took him down. We had to, to put Tom down. He was terrorizing every single cat in the neighborhood. But I've noticed that Nephi, when, when I come to my bedroom at night. Nephi is balled up in a ball where my wife sleeps. And it's as if she's saying, I'm a cat. I'm the one who is for her. Get out of here. And there's been many a time where I I would suspect that Nephi's affection was preferred over mine. I am jealous today. Now facing the serpent that deceived Eve, God gave the promise of Jesus to a sobbing woman who needed hope for the future. He gave the promise 
In Genesis 3, 15, God is speaking to the serpent on behalf of the woman in judgment. God says, and I will put enmity between you and the snake, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In the prophecy, the seed of the woman is a male child who will crush the serpent's head. Now, I've thought long and hard, what kind of animals in nature can crush a serpent's head? Antoine Louis Baer was a gifted French sculptor who studied the animal kingdom well. He is famous as a sculptor of animals and especially lions. And he knew that only certain animals have the ability to crush a serpent's head. Only certain animals can be fast enough and strong enough to take down a venomous snake and not die in the process. He no doubt had learned from those who travel abroad that a lion can crush a serpent's head. 1832, Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, He put together this sculpture, you see bronze of a lion crushing the head of a serpent in battle. God promised that one day, the one who is for her, the lion of the tribe of Judah, will crush the serpent's head. And Jacob made it clear on his deathbed that he would be the lion king. It's no accident that Jesus was born to the tribe of Judah. And and it is no accident that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. The prophecy had been given that the coming king would come from Bethlehem, but paradoxically the coming king would also come from eternity. He would come from God's land, not just David's land. Two kings would meet in one body. Two kings would morph into one. The Lion King would not just come from the city of David. The Lion King would come from the ancient past to save the people of David as the Lion of God. Micah 5 verse 2, the prophet prophesied, looking to the future, but you, O Bethlehem of Pratha, which was the city of David, who are little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. The Hebrew says literally, from the east, from days of eternity. The king that comes from the rising of the sun is the lion king. And so the prophet Micah makes it absolutely clear that the Lion King is, in fact, the one who is for her. You see in verse 2, he comes from eternity. Look at verse 3 in the context. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in travail has brought forth. Then the rest of his brethren shall return to the people of Israel. What is Micah saying? He's saying that this king is Shiloh. This king is the one who is for her. In the travail of the woman, the lion king will appear in Bethlehem. Shiloh is coming. And Jacob made it very clear. He would come and the obedience of the world would be given to him. Micah says the remnant of his brethren shall return to the people of Israel after her travail. The sin of Judah weighed heavy on the heart of God until one day God said, I've had enough with these corrupt kings. I'm tired of the long line of failed kings. And in the 6th century, Nebuchadnezzar came. He leveled the city of Jerusalem. He destroyed the temple. It was a judgment of God upon people who took paganism and brought it right into the worship of God. And he captured the last king of Israel as he was trying to escape. He took the king of Judah. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. 
King Zedekiah watched Nebuchadnezzar kill all his sons in front of his eyes. And then the king put Zedekiah's eyes out so that that picture would be the last thing the last king of Judah ever saw. The last memory of sight for the last king, the failed king of Judah, was the death of every one of his sons. So who would come to fulfill the prophecy? Who would come to meet the holy oracle in time and space? Centuries passed and no king arose in Judah. The promise looked like it had been blown away by the winds of time and delay. But then at the appointed hour, a star appeared in the eastern sky. It led the Magi to the city of David in Bethlehem where they found a baby boy lying in a manger. A baby's cry broke the silence of the night that pointed to the light of a star that was rising in the east. Herod the Great feared the truth that a king was born in Bethlehem that would end his kingdom. He feared the truth that all kingdoms must bow to the Lion King. And so he struck down the male children of Bethlehem. But Jesus escaped to Egypt with Mary and Joseph. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he had been harassed and harangued by demons. He had been pursued by evil religious leaders. He had been ridiculed and mocked because of his humble origins. He had appeared from the line of David through an obscure person named Joseph, adopted in to the holy line, the son of David and the son of God. And as he faced the specter of the cross, he had this to say, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. It is time to crush the serpent's head. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself, looking back to the promise of Jacob on his deathbed. To him shall be the obedience of the peoples. At the cross of Calvary, Jesus proved beyond a shadow of a doubt, friend, that he is the Lion King. Jacob's prophecy on his deathbed just before he died is fulfilled in the Lion King who died on the cross for every man and woman. The inscription in Latin, Greek, and Hebrew over the cross is timeless. Jesus, King of the Jews, the Lion King. Genesis 49, 9 and 10 again. Jesus, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, the one who is for her, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Judah was Jacob's son, but the lion king is God's son, because the lion king is the one who is for her. He had no earthly father, but only God is his father. The lion king has no human father. The promise was not made to the man. It was not made to Adam. It was made to her, the one who is for her, who would rely on God to be his father, but would be a friend and fellowship partner, but more than this, a brother of humanity through the line of the woman. To him is the obedience of the peoples. This is the context for the one who appears in Revelation 5 to open the book with seven seals. If we don't understand this context, the drama of Revelation 5 makes no sense. It is not just any king who ascends the throne of the universe. It's not just any hero who takes the scroll from the one who sits upon the throne. It is the long-awaited lion king who breaks death's door wide open, who appears in heaven's courts after the death, burial, and ascension of Jesus, who is in fact the embodiment of all the hopes that go back to the very first gospel promise. The one who is for her, the lion king is worthy. Revelation 5 verse 2 and I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? 
And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I wept much that no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, Weep not, lo, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Friend, when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he earned the right. He earned the right to ascend the throne of the universe and to take the scroll from the hand of the one who sits upon the throne. I mean, you're not worthy and I'm not worthy. No angel, no strong angel is worthy enough. But the Lion King, he is the only being in the universe who has the credentials to rule the universe. But let's bring it down to our sphere to rule in every aspect of our lives. As soon as John sees a lion, John looks again, he sees a lamb. The lion has suddenly morphed into a lamb. The Lion King is also a lamb that is a priest. Paradoxes mix in the picture he here sees. Revelation 5, 6, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. John says, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. The Greek for the verb slain is a perfect passive participle indicating that the lamb had been slain and the effects were still evident of his death. That that something happened and the results have lingered into the present. That's what the verb indicates. In Robertson's word pictures of the Greek New Testament, this great Greek New Testament scholar and grammarian, he indicates that the grammatical construction points to a lamb that was slain, but a lamb that is now alive and he still bears the marks of his suffering. Fresh wounds are implied as the aftermath of suffering in the Greek construction. This is a picture of Jesus at the ascension, standing before the Father with the open wounds that had not yet become scars and the fresh wounds of his sacrifice still red from suffering. In the picture, the lamb is not dead, but he is alive. He is standing, but he has been slain. It is evident from the picture. The verb may also indicate that Jesus' suffering is not completely over in the past, but in some way it goes on into the future. The perfect verb indicates a sacrifice that is, yes, finished, but somehow the wounds are fresh and perhaps eternal. They remain. The lamb is a priest because he stands before God's throne. He is a sacrifice because he is a lamb. And what happened to him as the lamb qualifies him to be a priest forever. In the book of Hebrews, Jesus is a priest and king after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a priest and king. There he stands in the presence of the Father. The lion of the tribe of Judah is a king. The lamb is both the sacrificed and the Melchizedek priest who stands before God alive. And he takes the scroll with seven seals from the hand of God at the right hand of God upon his throne. I'm telling you, this was the most dramatic event in the history of the universe. The future had been locked down. There was no hope for angels or for men in terms of eternity unless a hero arose who could turn back the tide of evil and could shape the future into a glorious path of providence. The Bible teaches that Jesus is all sufficient for every single need of your life because he is the Lion King. When you feel whipped around by forces out of your control, friend, Jesus is the lion king that roars back at the enemy. 
When you feel the hand of hell heavy on your back and it weighs heavy on your heart, friend, Christ has authority to command the demons to flee because he is the Lion King. And when your power is spent, you find yourself confused in the darkness of personal weakness and failure. When you have let God down and there is not authority inside of you, Christ has authority to make blind eyes see. Christ has authority to raise the life up and place it before God with acceptance. And when your ship seems ready to sink... And the hole is deep and wide in the boat of life. And the waves are coming in. Friend, Jesus has authority to stand up and calm a troubled sea because he is the Lion King. And when you fall down and you fear that God will forsake you because you fail, when the specter of your own sin threatens to separate you from God, if you have faith in him, Jesus has authority to make you free and to make you stand in the presence of God with no fear because Jesus is the Lion King. Friend, the Lion King has earned the right to have authority in your life over every weakness, every temptation, every failure, and every feeling of self-condemnation. The Lion King is worthy to take the scroll, to open it up, and to show you a future for your life that is yet to be. Friend, God is not looking for you to rule in your life. God is not looking for you to get good enough at being good. You can't defeat the ancient snake on your own. God is looking at the lamb who is a lion king. And the lion king has earned the right to save anyone and everyone who comes to God through him. That is the gospel that we see in Revelation 5. You don't need any leader in your life but Jesus Christ who is the lion king. And when you have Jesus Christ, your life is not a book closed seven seals. It's an open book with a certain future. Well, that will conclude the first portion of The Lion King and the New Israel. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. And join us again next time when we conclude this message. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. Reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. ReachingHearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.